Well, good evening, once again. It's good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for tonight, as I mentioned this morning, is entitled Building Bridges. And no, I'm not going to tell you how to constructurally build bridges. I don't know how to do that myself. But we are going to learn how to build bridges, hopefully, tonight. There's a story, if I tell it right, about a couple of gentlemen, and they were brothers. And by inheritance, they were given properties that were right next to each other. So they had to see each other quite a bit. And um, they, I think the backs of their houses were, were kind of towards each other, but, but still they, they could see each other from, from where they were. Well, one of the brothers ran into somebody and uh, he got to talking to him about, uh, you know, he asked him if he could do any work for him and the guy said, yes, you know what you can do for me? I'd like for you to build a fence that goes along the back part of my brother's property so that I don't have to look at him anymore. They were having uh, quite a disagreement and so that was his solution was to build a fence. And the gentleman said, well, you know, you give me the wood and, and all that, all the materials and I'll take care of you for you. I'll have it done by the end of the day. And so the guy, he goes out there and he starts working. And uh, toward the, the end of the day, toward sundown, the brother went out there to, to see how his progress had, had come along. And what he had found is there, there was a creek that went across the back part of their property. That was one of the dividing markers. And instead of building a fence, the gentleman had built a, a bridge going across the creek to his brother's property. And, and he asked him, well, you know, well, why in the world? I told you to build a fence. I wanted you to build a fence. And the guy that built the bridge, he explained to him that, that no argument between family members is worth putting up a fence. And so he built the bridge so that they could work out their differences and continue to live happily ever after, if you will. Whenever we look at our relationships with people, sometimes the easiest thing is to cut them out of our lives. And we can easily do that. All you got to do is, as a matter of fact, if you're on Facebook, I believe there's something they've created where you can just take someone completely out of your life and every post that you have with them in it is gone. All we have to do is just, just stop talking to them, stop conversing with them. It, it's an easy thing to do. But is that the way that we as Christians should handle things? When it comes to disagreements with brothers and sisters or family members, is that the best way to handle things? Sometimes there is no other way. But sometimes there is. And let me suggest to you that God is more interested in us building bridges than He is for us to put up fences. In a world full of hate and violence, and especially regarding religion, and how we are to be as Christians, how are we to be as Christians? James chapter 3 and verse 17 says this, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. The wisdom that is from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. 
That's the type of, of conduct that God wants from us. That's the type of wisdom that we should seek. And instead of tearing down bridges between us and humanity, we're to be peaceable. Christians are to be bridge builders. We're to be peacemakers. We're going to look at some of those tonight. But how do we build bridges in our world today? In a world that it, where it is so easy to cut ties with certain people. How are we to build bridges? What does the Bible teach about peacemaking? That's what we want to notice tonight. Our lesson objectives for tonight are to learn how to build bridges in our relationships with one another and to put into practice being more peaceable in a world full of conflict. First of all, to build a bridge, you need tools. And the Bible provides certain tools that will help us to build bridges. One of those tools is submission. We're taught in the scriptures to be submissive. And if we are submissive, then that helps us to build bridges in certain relationships and in certain things. There's a whole list of them that is found in 1 Peter chapters 2 and 3. If you'll turn there with me and follow along, we'll look at several verses here. And there are several ways in which we are to be submissive. And that's the Christian ideal. That's what we want to do. We want to learn how to be submissive. The first of these we talked about a little bit this morning in our Sunday morning Bible class. Submission to government. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 13 through 17, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to the governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of the evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty, as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I don't think our place is a, a congregation is politics, but of course we've seen so many times where people have protested different things in different ways and, and in so doing, they've been offensive in how they've handled things. And I'm not going to get into a debate as to whether we should be completely submissive to governments or, or if we should protest in certain situations. But I do think we as Christians need to learn to be submissive. We, we look at our leaders and, and we see their flaws very often. And we see those flaws and we wonder, well, what do we need to do to change? What can we do to make our voice heard? God tells us, I think, to be a little different. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. We need to be submissive to our governments and to their ordinances. As long as they do not contradict God's laws and cause us to go contrary to God's laws. We are to be submissive to 
our government. We are also to be submissive to masters, as we find in Second or First Peter chapter two, verses eighteen through twenty-five. First Peter two, verse eighteen. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to do to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if? When you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps, who committed no sin. Nor was deceit found in His mouth, who, when He was reviled, did not revile in return, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. I think we would compare this mostly to our own jobs and being submissive to our bosses, those who, who have authority over us in that respect. And again, we need to learn to be submissive. Not fly off the handle every time that they make some kind of a rule that, that you dislike, but be submissive as much as is possible. We need to be submissive in our marriages. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even some, even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands. Husbands are not without regard here. Husbands, verse 7, Likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. How many marriages do we see fall apart because one or both parties decide to divorce? It'd be submissive. And being submissive might help us to build bridges. Submission to others, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. 
Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We need to be submissive to one another as friends, as brothers and sisters, neighbors, however we might be related. We need to be submissive. The Bible teach us to be, teaches us to be a submissive people so that we might remain peaceable with all. That's one of the tools, submission, in building bridges. But there are others. Another tool that we find in Scripture is that of love. We begin with love for one another. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we should love one another. 1 John chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in in Him. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 that, that the beginning of murder is actually anger and hatred. When we allow those things to overcome us, that's when sin is committed. And we're not to get to that point. Verse 14 said that we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. We, we cannot abide in death. As Christians, we are to abide in life, right? We are to look to eternal life. We are to live in the world, shining God's light. Love. We need to love one another, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to have love for neighbors. Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 37, we read of the greatest commands. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We're to love our neighbor. Those that we come in contact with, those that we talk to on a regular basis, we're to love them. And we're also to have a love for our enemies. This one is more difficult. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 43, Jesus teaches this. You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore you shall be perfect, 
just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Uh, again, we can't allow hatred to overcome us. We must love even those that stand against us. And I dare say that none of us have, have ever faced the kind of persecution that the disciples faced back then. But even so, we are to love our enemies. To build bridges even to them. The fruit of the Spirit, as it's given in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Found within the fruit of the Spirit, there are five things that I noticed other than what we've already talked about that will help us to build bridges. Long-suffering. Patience. When you have a conflict with a brother or a sister or someone that you know, be patient with them. Suffer long with them. Kindness. Be kind and courteous always. Goodness. Do good towards them. Gentleness. Be of a meek spirit. Self-control. Control your anger. Those are tools that will help us in bridge building as well. And we find that there is a blessing to be found in bridge building also. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. Part of the Beatitudes says this. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. We need to be peacemakers. We need, we need to build more bridges. We have examples. And I want to close our lesson with examples of bridge builders that we find in Scripture. These are found in the Old Testament. The first one is found in Genesis chapter 26. In Genesis chapter 26 we read of Isaac. And have you ever thought of Isaac as a peacemaker? We read of an instance here in Genesis chapter 26 where Isaac comes to Gerar and he comes before Abimelech, ruler at that time. And, and he, he, he makes a mistake which interestingly is made by Abraham as well. And he misrepresents himself and Rebekah as brother and sister instead of husband and wife. And when Abimelech finds out about it, it causes some conflict there. But, but he ends up going into the valley as we read in verse 17 of Genesis chapter 26. And we read of an instance here where we see the character of Isaac. We see his way of dealing with things. In a way, we find him as a peacemaker. And Genesis chapter 26 and verse 17 says, Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. You might rightfully say that, that these wells, in a sense, they did belong to Isaac, right? Because his father had dug them. 
but they also cause conflict here. In verse 19, also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna, and he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Continuing into verse 26, Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahazath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, since you hate me, and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So he said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, since we have not touched you, and since we have done nothing to you but good, and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Verse 30, So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Now, what would have happened if Isaac had fought over the wells with them? What if he had had continued the conflict to a worse degree than what it already was? Would they have been able to find this peace between themselves? Isaac chose his battles. That's one of the lessons we learned in preschool. I remember as uh, I was in high school, you got to choose your battles sometimes. That's exactly what Isaac did. He chose his battles. This was not a time for battle. He just kept moving on until he found a well that they did not quarrel over. And he found peace with that people. We find another example of a bridge builder in Abigail. Abigail was a very special woman. We see that David in 1 Samuel chapter 25, he, he and his men, they're, they're hungry and they're in need of food and, and other things. And, and he finds Nabal and he, he asks them for, for some provision and, and Nabal refuses. In verse 10 of 1 Samuel chapter 25, it says, Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away, each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to them who, who I do not know where they are from? Verse 12, So David's young men turned on their heels and went back, and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to the men, Every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. David was going to fight. But Abigail was told of what happened. And she being the person that she was, the peacemaker that she was, she started to work. 
Verse 18, Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seas of roasted grain, one hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. In verse 32 we read this. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you. Because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed as the Lord God of Israel lives who has kept me back from hurting you. Unless you had hurried and come to meet me surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have healed your, heeded your voice and respected your person. Nabal, I believe due to the bitterness of his heart, died. And Abigail later became David's wife. But we see what, what happened here. And this was not even Abigail's bridge to build, was it? There was no conflict between Abigail and David. The conflict was between her husband and David. But she felt responsible. And so she got to work. She used the tools that she had. And she built the bridge. She took responsibility for Nabal's selfishness in order to make peace with David. She was a bridge builder. And sometimes that's the case. Sometimes we need to build bridges between friends. Maybe we're not necessarily involved in this conflict, but we can do something to build a bridge between them. That's the character that God is pleased with. Again, as we look at our relationships, relationships are very fragile, are they not? It's easy to offend somebody, and it's easy to offend somebody to the point where they have no desire to have any kind of conversation with you, no desire to be your friend. Conflicts are even worse when it comes between brothers and sisters in congregations. We see congregations that are split because a conflict. But God has given us tools to use through His Word. He has given us certain things that we can use to build bridges. And I hope that we realize that it's more important to build bridges than it is to build fences or even tear the bridges down. We need more bridge builders in our world and in our church we need more bridge builders As a matter of fact I, I haven't thought to take it down but back there on that wall if you take time to, to look at it there's a poem up there about building bridges something that's been up there since I can remember we need more bridge builders I don't know where you stand tonight I don't know what your life is I, 
where your relationship with God is. I don't know if you're a Christian. Maybe it is you need to come in obedience, repentance, confession of faith, baptism for the remission of sins. Maybe it is that, that you've not been a faithful child of God and you need to come back to Him. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Him, ask for prayer on your behalf or for forgiveness for something that you've done. But whatever your need is, if your life is not right with God for whatever reason, if there is something that we can do to help you, know that we love you and that we care for you. We stand ready to assist you if you'll come as we stand and as we sing.